It's a day later. I've watched some of the tape. We've got reflections after a day of separation from the week one disaster in Cleveland. Plus, we've got Burrow contract details to break down. Let's get into it. You are locked on Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network here on Lockdown Bengals, covering your team every day. And you can subscribe for free on YouTube or anywhere you get your podcasts. That makes it really easy to become an everydayer. It means you don't miss an episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We love every single one of you who makes us an everyday part of your life. You can become a uh, part of that first listen club. Those of you who make us your first listen every day while you're having coffee or walking the dog, whatever your routine is, we appreciate those of you who let us accompany you first thing in the morning. Today's episode of the Lockdown Bengals pro- podcast brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash lockdown NFL and use promo code Locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. A day later, James, I have watched the offensive tape, at least so far, and it was offensive. I have yet to get to the defensive tape. Hopefully we'll have some time to get into the full all 22 takeaways this week. But a day later, a lot of people talking about, you know, why didn't the Bengals target the middle of the field? Look at Jamar Chase's route chart. This is coaching malpractice. Play calling was terrible. Well, I don't think that it was a perfectly called game by any means. There were a few plays where the options weren't great. The decisions on fourth down we talked about yesterday weren't great. My my takeaway watching again was that Burrow was actually worse than I thought he was, and there were opportunities left on the field for this offense that – you're very confident in Joe Burrow when he's playing well and playing healthy or whatever the issue is outside of rain is going to hit much, much, much more often than not. No doubt. And and so I I think there's two parts there. One, it doesn't necessarily have to be a play calling issue for it to be an issue. And I'll get to more of that in a second Two, Joe Burrow played terrible. He was awful. And, and that's, that's not going to change. You could watch that film four more times, and you're probably going to be like, oh, my God, how in the world it, it, like, is Jamar Chase reaching back and fully extending for a pass that's for three yards in a first down or diving with one hand to try to haul something in? Or uh, Jamar thinks he should run a goal ball. By the way, the goal ball was there on the back shoulder. Burrow thinks it's a back shoulder. By the time Jamar starts to get separation, Burrow releases it for the back shoulder. Like it wasn't just miscommunications with T Higgins either. Like he was, he was just off and like way off because if you're just a tick off and you're Joe Burrow, you're still more accurate than at least 75% of the starting quarterbacks in the NFL. But he wasn't that he was extremely inaccurate and this Bengals system is built on him being accurate, precise, making the right decisions, exploiting one-on-one matchups and winning those. And I don't think his receivers had much of a chance on most of those one-on-one balls because they had their opportunities. And so with that part, I agree with you. Here's where I need the Bengals coaching staff to grow. 
and this is 30 hours since the game, 31 hours since the game kicked off as we record this. If Burrow is sucking, for lack of a better term, where do you go then? How do you get something? I'm not saying get 40, but something. Because they need to have something where maybe it gets Joe into a rhythm where it's an easy pass or they just really lean in on the run game, which I get everyone screaming about the run and run the football, run the football, run the football. This has not been a great running team, even though they did look better, a little bit better, I would say, uh, early on in that game where Mixon was able to find some creases and I thought he ran hard on Sunday. So he deserves credit for that. I I think that's what I, I wonder about this team. What's the man, nothing else is working. Let's do this. Two years ago, it was Jamar's down there somewhere. Last year, they were able to dink and dunk and be disciplined with the ball during that 10-game winning streak, eight regular season wins in a row. This year, I wonder what it is because it, it needs to be probably a mixture of multiple things because I'm expecting this offense to be even better. And so that's the part of it where I do look at the staff to continue to evolve. I agree with you. I wouldn't necessarily call it play calling, but evolving to where when you realize, and I've used this analogy multiple times, when you realize Joe Burrow gets into the phone booth and comes out and he tries to put on that Superman cape and he's still Clark Kent, okay. Well, now how do you get Clark Kent to be competent enough to get some points on the board? Because that obviously didn't happen on Sunday. Yeah, I, I hear that. I am somewhat sympathetic to that. At the same time, he's the highest paid player in football. You just paid him to be the guy at quarterback who cannot have those days. And there are plenty of reasons that he had that day. Wet ball, both Zach Taylor and Kevin Stefanski calling it a notably wet game. And it affected both quarterbacks, clearly. Uh, Zach Taylor called it the, the biggest rain game he's ever been in. Stefanski said the ball was heavier and, and it was wet consistently throughout the game. Clearly affected both passers. Joe Burrows missed a lot of time. His chemistry, timing, communication with his receivers, not refined after missing all of training camp. So there, there are reasons. Calf injury, maybe not healed, right? Maybe he's playing conservatively, doesn't have full confidence in, in that leg, in that calf. A lot of reasons that he, he could have played poorly. I think the most prominent of those to me, the one that makes the most sense to me, is he just missed a lot of time. And so the reps just aren't there. And I think he's a player that needs the reps. Yes, you should probably have a little bit more built in, but they called some easy stuff and Burrow just missed it. They tried to go quick game and, and Burrow couldn't grip the ball. They tried to go running game and then Travion Williams slipped and fell and they got into a third down. And so... That's where, yes, obviously things could be better and I think will be better. But when I watch the tape on offense, the one-on-ones where they took the deep shots, I understood why Joe Burrow wanted the deep shots on all of those because he had his guys manned up sure. with no safety help. And should the Bengals have gone away from that a little bit more quickly because Burrow just wasn't as accurate as he normally has been in that game? Maybe, but he also missed Tyler Boyd over the middle of the field, throwing behind him, which invited Newsom into the play to have a pass breakup where if it's on target, Tyler's probably running 15, 20 yards after the catch. 
you know, so it's, it's not just that he's missing outside down the field. He's missing over the middle of the field. The ball's slipping out of his hand, trying to check it down to Irv Smith. He's throwing, he's like shot putting the ball to Joe Mixon on, on a, on a designed throw to the flat early in the game. So, you know, part of that is rain, right? Part of that is rust. Part of that is not being on the same page with the receivers where he's throwing to nobody. Uh, but it, but it does to me largely come down to the quarterback. And when I watch a tape, it's like, okay, usually Joe Burrow hits these things. And that's why I have confidence going forward because one, I think that's one of the hardest pass protecting tasks of the year. We need to talk about that as well. And two, I think Joe Burrow more often than not makes a lot of the plays that he did not make on Sunday that were there for the taking. They missed two touchdowns to T Higgins. It should have been easy pickings and a, and a number of other chunk plays because of various mishaps that I just talked about. Two things. One, the receivers are, I would bet my life on it, are more wrong on all of those plays than Burrow. Like, I guarantee you when they go back, Burrow's like, yeah, this is why. And they're going to be like, oh, okay. T. Higgins took the blame. He might not have been wrong on all of them, but I would bet Burrow's right more than he's wrong on the miscommunications. The second thing, I don't want to hear, you said it, and it's not you, it's everybody else. I don't give a damn if he's the highest paid player in the league. Steph Curry has four for 20 nights. LeBron James misses eight free throws in a row. Like that happens. And so it's the coaching staff's job. And it's not, this is not targeted at you, Jake. I just, I don't want to start this, this dumb thing that could definitely start. And I could feel it because I've seen it with other athletes in the city. He's going to have off games still. He is. Yeah. And the, 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 so then what do you do when you realize he's off? Usually you lose in the NFL when your quarterback is off. Usually you just lose. That's fine. Well, the Patriots won plenty. The Chiefs win sometimes when Mahomes is off. That happens. They won with Chad Henney coming in in yeah. key moments of playoff games. For sure. Like it, it can happen. And, and so that's what I mean. That's the next evolution here where you can win in spite of Burrow not having a, a great game. And in this case, I don't think they could have won. On, on Sunday, he didn't give them a chance to. I get that. But what if he had played a tad bit better? They still lose, I think. They need to get to a point where they can win when Burrow isn't Superman. That's all. That's all it's, I'm saying. It's the, the reason I think that's uniquely challenging, and then we can move on, is just that they've built the offense specifically for Joe Burrow to play like that. And that's how, like, that's how they shape the offense. And that makes it hard to have those fallbacks. And I'm sure they're thinking about this when the things that Burrow has built into the offense for Burrow with this coaching staff are not working. Yeah. What, what would they do? What would they do if Burrow couldn't play this week and he's going to play against the Ravens? But what would they do? Yeah. That, then it, it, that, you're totally different. I think it, it, no doubt. And I'm not saying go to the Jake Browning offense. I just, you, you want to start to think about that stuff because when it's do or die in January and we expect this team to play in January, you might have to go to something that you haven't gone to before. Let's continue this conversation. You, you mentioned uh, protection. We can get into that a little bit if you want. And we also have some of the Joe Burrow contract details. We'll do that and more coming up next. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is America's number one sports book for a reason. And with the NFL season in full swing, you need to get to FanDuel because new customers can bet $5 and get $200 back in bonus bets guaranteed. And all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. And you know what I heard about YouTube TV? Ooh, they let you pick the four games to put in the boxes with Sunday ticket. Another perk. 
of going with FanDuel. It's the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use. I've used them, and you should too, because you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more, and you better bet Joe Burrow's throwing for more than 82 yards this week. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. That's right. Lukewarm take. Joe Burrow over 82 yards. FanDuel.com slash locked on. What odds would you get on Joe Burrow over 82 yards? Like minus 12,000, if, yes. if that. Uh, can you imagine if you had bet Joe Burrow <laughs> under 100 yards? Uh, and that yeah, wouldn't have even been a prop, of course. But like you would have gotten crazy odds. Oh, yeah. Crazy. Big time. I think it was like 250 was was closer to the line. I don't remember exactly what it was. but it was 250 closer to sounds that. right. 250 yeah. and a half, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so going back to the conversation we had at the start of the show, Joe Burrow, not a very good day. What do the Bengals do when Joe Burrow is not having a very good day? You're probably right. They probably need to have more built in for that. I think that in this specific case, they tried some things that were supposed to be easy and they just didn't work. The sure. things that the Browns do that are easy are not things that this Bengals offense is built to do. That's go under center, run wide zone, and run boots off a wide zone. Are there things that you could take from the Mike McDaniel offense? Yes, absolutely. Are there things that you can take from Andy Reid's offense? Yes, absolutely. There, there are ideas out there that they can incorporate. I, I think I agree with all of that. I, I don't mean to say that I think the Bengals offensive design is perfect. I just mean to say that when I went back and watched the tape, I, I thought that there were opportunities that the Bengals left on the field. Part of that's that is totally Joe Burrow, fair. like we discussed. It, that's a fact. It's a fact, no doubt about it. A lot of it is Burrow, by the way. You're right. And and then part of it is protection. I think if I were ranking the problems with this offense on Sunday, it's issues related to passing the football, whether that's Joe Burrow, Russ, Joe Burrow, Rain, Joe Burrow, you know, not having the reps, whatever it is. The second is there are some pass protection issues that just very tough matchup, to be fair. Zadarius Smith was great. Miles Garrett is Miles Garrett. And Dalvin Tomlinson showed why he was signed as a big free agent for the Cleveland Browns. He was very good. Maurice Hurst, who is a former draft crush of mine, hasn't been able to stay healthy throughout his career. Even he was good for the Browns, especially in the run game, notably in the run game. Um, offensive line needs to be better. I think that, you know, they settled in a little bit as the game went on, but they did not have great answers. They had communication issues. Ted Harris described the communication on the offensive line as poor. So if I was ranking the issues with the Bengals offense against the Browns, one quarterback play, two pass protection, obviously those things compound each other. Obviously yeah. when there's pressure, your quarterback's going to play worse. And, and the, the craziest thing about all this is – what are the two things we always say defenses can't do to Joe Burrow? Blitz and play man. Yeah. And what yeah. do the Browns do? They can. They, they blitz can. and they play man and they won the game. Yep. Yeah. And so the Bengals, it, it's funny when they do the self-scout. And again, I still want them to have the knuckleball that no one knows about that they can go to in a break glass scenario. Every team needs it. I'm not saying week one is it, and I don't think it would have saved them. They just played so bad, and he was bad, and, and I get it. But there will be a scenario where they need that, especially if they want to win a Super Bowl, which is the obvious goal. But these are the things that it's like, oh, my God, that the Browns can do exactly what you don't want 
to de- to do if you're every other opposing defensive coordinator mm-hmm. and they can do it at a high level. So what the Bengals self-scout might say, part of it is they just watch the film and be like, Joe, normal you kicks the crap out of them and scores 25 and we win the game. Like three touchdowns, is it possible? Like, yeah, I, I mean, the, the Grant Delpit ball, for example, the one where he bats it down and Some he was – no doubt about it. I mean, he yeah. makes T. Higgins turn around yep. and potentially high point the ball. He won. It's over. You throw it back to the front pylon. You throw it yep. right there, like in that range, and it's six. Yep. And so he misses him. So I totally agree. And part of the self-scout, after saying all this stuff, might be, hey, uh, Zach turns to Brian, like Brian Callahan, Zach Taylor, just to be clear so everyone knows. You know, if nine plays better – we're probably in the game. <laughs> like, it, I mean, it, 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 sometimes it is that simple because that should have been a touchdown. And instead, Grant Delpit gets praised for an awesome play, mm-hmm. but it was a bad ball. Yeah. So, so, I mean, that happens too, right? Deshaun Watson missed Goodwin deep, happened to him too. But yeah, I mean, there's two touchdowns in a game where the Bengals scored three points and had a plethora of other misses, including like a third and one run stuff because Alex Kappa got blown up, you know, stuff like that. They missed two touchdowns to T. Higgins. They had a fake screen to Jamar. Joe Burrow takes an exaggerated movement in the pocket instead of just sidestepping and, and ripping it to, to T on the fake screen go. Mm. And the ball sails out of bounds. He, he, he becomes a runner and then gets drilled as he throws it. And yeah. I feel like, you know, peak Joe Burrow. talking about the end zone throw where he just kind of launched yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, it's just like a desperation throw at that point. But it's because he takes such an exaggerated movement in the pocket. And yeah, there's a pass pro loss there that leads to him becoming a runner. But like prime Joe, when he's ready to go, is taking a a little subtle sidestep and then ripping that, and that's a touchdown. And then slot fade. I talked about slot fade to T. Higgins on this podcast. We talked about it when I was there. We saw it. I was ready to tweet, and I didn't because I didn't want to give anything away to to Jim Schwartz and and have them be ready to put somebody besides Grant Delpit on T. Higgins one-on-one with no safety help over the top. I was ready to tweet. T. Higgins slot fade touchdown in week one. Should have had it. I was ready to tweet it before the game. I, I DM Joe Goodberry about it. I was like, should I tweet this? I guarantee like T. Higgins slot fade touchdown. They got the exact look they wanted. A safety. Irwin was, on, Irwin was outside. Yeah. Yeah. Higgins four receivers on the, the field. You have a safety on T. Higgins with no safety help over the top. You have a safety man up on T. Higgins. They, Sounds they like were, a dream. They were even at like the 20. And Higgins, boom, has three steps, two Easy. steps. Yeah. And, and he turned him. He made him turn around and jump it, try to high point it. And he still, like Delpit made a good play, but the throw bailed him out. Yes. Because, you know, I, hey, that's a 50-50 ball for Higgins, even in that situation. But that's the problem is all of these passes at best, even with the guys he was throwing to were 50-50. And then the other part, you're right, was protection, which doesn't help him feel comfortable on off days. Mm-hmm. I do think you said you watched all the offense. I don't think Orlando Brown Jr. was nearly as bad as social media is going to make it out to be. And by social media, that is partially Chiefs fans. I thought he was pretty good overall. It's a really tough matchup in general. Like you have the Miles Garrett clip of him going crossover on, on Ted Karras. Like, yeah. poor Ted. Bro, it, no it's Miles Garrett. He's a freak. Yeah. Like, I. <laughs> uh. 
Yeah, I mean, it wasn't perfect for anyone on the offensive line. I wouldn't say it was good for anyone on the offensive line, but there was good sprinkled in. But but largely, yeah, I mean, Jonah Williams had his share of, of issues in terms of getting to the right spot. They had late chips that were helping the Browns players and led to some pressures. That is a, a pet peeve of, of many offensive linemen. Uh, I know for a fact you had Miles Garrett hump moving Orlando Brown and tossing 345 pounds with a single left arm to the armpit. I mean, there was some nasty stuff on display from the Browns front four. So you credit them too. Uh, but mm-hmm. something that they will certainly have to clean up the next time these teams play. Let's get to those contract details, James, at least what we know so far about this Joe Burrow deal. And the Bengals' week two opponent is battered. We'll finish the show there as well, coming up next. Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They are the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports because it's you against the numbers. Here's how it works you pick more or less than on two to six player stat projections and you watch the winnings roll in. It's a ton of fun. You can win up to 25 times your money this football season. And so here's how it works. And by the way, if you have the skills, you could turn 10 bucks into 250 bucks. Boom. Just like that. So let's take Saquon Barkley, who struggled on Sunday night football. You could pick him to go for more or less than his projection of 60 yards. Patrick Mahomes for more or less than two passing touchdowns. Odell Beckham Jr. for more or less then 50 receiving yards. And those are just some of examples of how it works. You pick two to six players and go from there. Try it today. You're going to love it. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL. Use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL. Promo code locked on NFL. All right, James, we've got some contract details on Joe Burrow's deal. Not all of them, but some of them. There's some confusion around some of the option bonuses, but the Bengals, the way they did this deal essentially to ensure great cash flow for Joe Burrow while spreading out cap hits over the life of the deal is with, I believe, four options, two of which are proratable. And so Andre Perota, the resident Bengals salary cap expert on Twitter, has broken down the cap hits for Joe Burrow as follows. An increase in his 2023 cap hit to $19.5 million. That would put the Bengals south of $5 million in cap space for this season, which is the lowest, according to John Baines, another great uh, salary cap analyst on Bengals Twitter. According to his analysis, it's the lowest number the Bengals have had in cap room going into a season, at least in recent history. Should be enough still to get them through with what they need for contingencies, injuries, those sorts of things. But they're tighter to the cap than normal. Year two cap hit. Next year, fifth year option stays roughly the same, still in the 29 to $30 million range. And then the first big hit for Joe Burrow comes in 2025 at $46.25 million. Still reasonable. And in 2025, I, I was looking at it, the, the salary cap is projected to be about 280 plus million dollars that year. So, so Burroughs deal will come in around like 17. I'm trying to find my tweet 17 and a half 
percent of the cap, 16 and a half percent of the cap in 20. Sorry, that's 2025. In 2024, 11.7% of the cap. In 2025, 16.4% of the cap. And then in 2026, when the cap hit goes all the way up to 56.25 million, that's when the borough cap hit will be roughly 18.2% of the salary cap, which is pretty close to where Patrick Mahomes is for the Chiefs this year, the biggest cap hit for quarterbacks in the NFL. For the rest of the deal, Andre is projecting cap hits between 58 and $52 million per year. At that point, the the percentage of the cap will continue to decrease. From 26 on, the salary cap will continue to grow roughly $20 million a year, give or take, with new TV money, increased NFL revenue, inflation, and the percentage of the cap will decrease for Joe Burrow. Yeah. So some implications there. I, I think this is this was their goal the whole time from a, a cap hit perspective, make it work money-wise and then structure it so you don't have a $72 million cap hit like Herbert, where the, the Chargers are fine with that, but the Bengals, they're trying to fit a lot under that cap. And I, I think that they still are thinking of a world where T. Higgins and Jamar Chase are involved, where a lot of this core is able to stay together. I believe that. Now, whether or not that gets done who knows? But I think this is another indicator of that. And you, you just said it through 2026. Well, this is 2023. Higgins next year, two, three. Maybe you go three-year extension. Maybe you tag him. And you're able to add, uh, you know, a, an extension on top of that after you tag him. Like they're they're going to have money to tag if they need to, but certainly could do some other stuff as well uh, with this Burrow deal. Even though he's the the richest contract in NFL history, the cap hits are what matter. And so uh, I, I love that they were able to do it this way versus having a really, really high cap. I mean, could you imagine if it was if they had a $75 million cap hit one of those years? Which isn't crazy when you look at that Herbert deal. Yeah, and the way that it's been reported on Spotrack, just to be clear as to why we're not talking about these numbers definitively, is Spotrack thinks there's a $68 million hit in the final year of the deal. It's unclear as to whether or not that's the case. It appears that they have some math that may not be correct. So going to give it a little bit of time before we talk about any of these things in finality but yes for the most part they've spread the the deal out apparently fairly evenly with the biggest cap hit coming in 2027 the second biggest in 2026 we'll see how that looks once we see that the, the full breakdown because i don't know that i 100 trust Spotrack as of the time of recording this on on monday night but we'll see how that works out the the quick math i did james on a potential t higgins extension uh, the cap hit for T Higgins, say it's a three-year extension. could be a $25 million cap hit in 2025. That, that, that extension would be 2024, 2025, 2026. Yep. Jamar Chase's fifth-year option is going to be $23 million, give or take, because he's got multiple Pro Bowls to his credit. That makes that fifth-year option very expensive for Jamar. If they get an extension done as well, they could do some work to lower that cap hit in 2025 for Jamar Chase if they so, if they so desired. That would be an option they would have. They could also structure T. Higgins' deal in such a way that the cap hit doesn't necessarily go into 2025 and 2026 as large as it would have to. But in that scenario, you would have roughly 33% of your cap for Burrow, Chase, and Higgins in, in three players for two years, which would be 2025 and 2026. By comparison, Kansas City has 34% of their cap, pretty much the same amount this year in three players, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Tooney, and Jason Kelsey. Not Jason Kelsey, Travis Kelsey, the tight end who was hurt. Yeah. 
so yep. the, the point there is you have a big three. Other teams have done similar things. It's not outlandish. Something else would have to give, obviously, if the Bengals decided to make that their priority. Yeah, it would, but th- that's that's how it always is, right? Something I'll have to give at some point, but uh, that's that's it. You have anything else on the contract before we we get to these injuries? Because the Ravens are coming to town, and boy, oh boy, they're banged up. I'm going to name them. You tell me if if I'm missing any. But safety Marcus Williams expected to miss most of the season with a pectoral injury. Ronnie Stanley sprained his knee, the starting left tackle, starting center Tyler Linderbaum, one of my former draft crushes, has an ankle sprain. Both of those guys, Stanley and Linderbaum, week to week. Mm-hmm. J.K. Dobbins, we know about the unfortunate news with him. It, he has the the torn Achilles. Mark Andrews missed this past week. I think he'll play this week. We'll see. He was kind of a surprise scratch on Saturday night and was listed as questionable going into that Sunday game against Houston. Maybe because it was Houston, they held him back. But these Ravens are are beaten up, Jake. And, and obviously the Bengals, the last thing you want to do is start 0-2 not only on the season, but 0-2 in the division for a second straight season. Yeah, and the division makes it much more important for, for a number of reasons. Yeah. Uh, but John, uh, John Harbaugh, I get the Harbaugh's confused. It's yeah, John, John Harbaugh. Right? Yeah, getting John. the Kelsey's confused, getting the Harbaugh's confused, brothers and I. It's just names. It's names for Jake. That's all. I, I, know, I like know who it is in my head. You know no what faces. I mean? It's um, not names. Harbaugh said that Marlon Humphrey has a shot. It depends. It's early in the process as possible. We'll see. He gave a similar response from Mark Andrews. Mark looks good. We'll see how he does for those two. I'd refer to the injury report. It's probably going to be your best indicator. So we'll keep an eye on that, obviously, this week. Uh, The big thing here is down your, I would say, two best offensive linemen. If if Ronnie Stanley and and, uh, Tyler Linderbaum can't go. If they're down Marcus Williams in an already thin secondary, I know they've got some good players back there, and we'll see about Marlon Humphrey. Those are those obviously would have massive impacts on this matchup. If yeah. you look back at, at week one, when Lamar Jackson struggled, it was when he was under pressure. I think I saw that he was like 15 for 15 when he wasn't pressured. It was like two for nine or something like that when he was pressured, two for 11 maybe. So... The opportunity is there uh, if, if those guys are missing. Could tilt things a little bit in the Bengals' favor. It sounds like the Bengals got out of week one pretty healthy. It sounds like Joseph Osai might have a shot this week. We'll see. Uh, Zach seemed to he, – he said that he's truly day-to-day in his press conference, did Zach Taylor, on Monday. So health, at least one thing, apparently going right for the Bengals in week one when the game did not go right for them. Hopefully, knock and wood, that that remains the case throughout this week here. And and nothing changes, I mean, from like the initial thought today to Wednesday when they'll have a little bit more information about who's feeling sore and tight and and which of those things turn out to be injuries that require somebody to miss time versus they just need to work through. Yep, hopefully. Hopefully it's all hands on deck and they're able to – even this thing up at one and one that would uh, that would certainly be nice my man and we will talk all about this game later on in the week i think we're going to have a film review episode coming up tomorrow after that it's already crossover thursday again we're already ready for another game preview again after that these weeks fly by in the season so that's going to do it for this episode of the lockdown bengals podcast 
Until next time, Hude, have a good one.